Hey, have a seat where you are. Again, welcome to you. If you're a guest with us, we are thrilled that you're here. We've had a lot of guests the last maybe month, and so just thrilled that you're, um, that you're new to Bayou City and just want to say welcome. If Hopefully you felt welcome this morning. If, if you felt unwelcome, come tell me. I want to know who made you feel unwelcome, all right? We want you to feel welcome here. Hey, I don't want to waste a lot of time because I do confidently feel like we're going to dive into the scriptures and God's going to speak. So if you, if you have your Bible, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12 is where we will be. Um, we're going to flip over to a little bit of 13 and a little bit of 14, so we're just going to stay right there. I'm not going to have you flip to anywhere else, so 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, if you don't have a copy of the scriptures, we have Bibles we want you to have. If, if you don't have a Bible or maybe just having a new Bible seems like a good idea. Sometimes that's just a good idea. Get a new Bible. Maybe it's a little different translation. I encourage you to grab one. We have those out in the lobby. Um, and so uh, 1 Corinthians Uh, Chapter 12 is a chapter on spiritual gifts, which is a big macro kind of topic. And so we're going to try to spend 35 minutes to figure out what in the world Paul is teaching us. And so um, it's helpful to me if we just define this. I did not define it, but I I sought the wisdom of a man named uh, Sam Storms, who's a pastor in Oklahoma City. He's written several books on spiritual gifts, widely respected. And this was... Uh, clarifying for me. So let's just start here. So on the screen, spiritual gifts are the presence of the Spirit himself. Just right off the bat, would you just catch that today? Spiritual gifts are not stuff or things or we're going to discover, hey, look, I'm good at this and, and God gives me. Although that, that is true, spiritual gifts are actually the Spirit himself. And I'm going to show you what uh, Sam means and then, and then specifically what Paul means in 1 Corinthians. But spiritual gifts are the presence of the Spirit himself coming to relatively clear, sometimes dramatic. Sometimes not dramatic at all, all right? So sometimes this is going to be very dramatic, and sometimes it's going to be quiet, and uh, in, um, uh, maybe in, in private, you're going to encourage somebody. These things are not always public and dramatic, but sometimes dramatic. Uh, they are expressions in the way that we, and by we, I mean you and me, not me and the staff, all right? Not Pastor Curtis and a few of us, the way that we do ministry. Spiritual gifts are God going public among his people. One thing that I did not say in the first service that I should have said, there is a thing that makes Protestants uh, unique. Uh, One of the things that is unique to being a Protestant is the fact that we believe in the priesthood of believers. Now you're like, man, I don't even know what that means. That's kind of fancy. This is what it means, that you and I, regardless of our profession or our background or Uh, our spiritual experience, that you and I have the same access to God. I don't need to go through you in order to access God. You don't need to come to me in order to have access to God. The priesthood of believers says we have the same access to God. That's the first thing. The second thing you need to know and maybe you're new, you're like, I don't, I don't really know if I believe that. Well, let's, let's wrestle with that. That's okay. You're welcome here. I want us to chat about this. But the second thing that's important here is not only do you have access to God, you have the same empowerment. So it's not just Pastor Curtis. It's not just our women's pastors. It's not just our, you fill in the blank. It's not just a few of us who are empowered by the Spirit to minister and to love people. Whether you are an accountant or a teacher, whether you work uh, in, in, a, in the, in the uh, energy or, or oil fields, wherever you, whatever you do, wherever you are in your home, outside your home, you have the same empowerment that I do. 
That's the priesthood of believers. And that's why when we look at this, it's the presence of the Spirit himself in, in, in us. And God's going public with it. That's defining the spiritual gifts. Uh, there are two extreme views that I just want to just from the beginning here, just outline this. So maybe you're aware of this, but let's just say over here, uh, you group, uh, you're, you're extreme, not, not actually, so I'm not, we're not going to split the room up, all right? But, but on this side uh, is, the, is what we call cessationism, and what that means is you believe that the gifts have actually ceased. They are no longer, and, and, and the reason that you believe that is because you, you believe that they were useful as the scriptures were coming together. They call it the canonization of the scriptures. So some people interpret what, we are, what we're about to read and say, well, the gifts were active until the scriptures came to be, and then they weren't uh, needed anymore. So that's one extreme view. The, uh, the other end of that spectrum is not only are they active and available to all, they are essential, especially some of the more dramatic ones. They are essential. By the way, this is hyper-charismaticism. If that's even a word, it is now, all right? So hyper-charismaticism, all right? Which, which means not only uh, are they active and available, but they are a must and that every believer who comes to know Christ has this second baptism. By the way, there is in Scripture evidence for this baptism in the Spirit. It's not, uh, it's not going to be this extreme view related to gifts, but we'll talk about that in another message. But basically on this end, that if you don't speak in tongues, let's say, or have these kind of big sign gifts uh, connected to your salvation, you are, you're not a follower of Christ. You see, the, you see the, the spectrum that we're on right here? And so if you go to Bayou City's website and you click on our doctrine, our, our, our faith uh, statement, you, very simply, it'll tell you what we believe, and I'll, I'll share it with you. We're, we're right here in the middle. We believe that every gift that we see in the scriptures is available to you and I. We also believe that uh, there are not certain gifts that are tied to your salvation, that if you do not possess these gifts... Uh, that you are somehow not a follower of Christ. We do not believe that, okay? Um, so we don't believe they've ceased, and we don't believe they're tied in some kind of hyper-charismatic uh, end of the spectrum that says, well, if you don't do this, you are not saved. So neither of those is our viewpoint. I just want to set some bumpers for us as we dive in here. So uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to start in verse 4, but verse 1, Paul just says very simply, hey, d- Church in Corinth, don't be dumb about spiritual gifts, all right? I don't want you to be ignorant any longer. And Paul's just blunt, all right? He just comes out and says it. So that's, that's verse 1, but skip with me to, to verse 4. We're going to spend a few minutes on these three verses, and then uh, we're going to dive in a little further. So 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4. Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord and there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them in everyone. To each, and you know, if you got a pen out, this, is, this verse right here is where this whole chapter kind of hinges. This is where this whole chapter plants out, at least in my opinion. Verse 7, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. 
So that's verse 4 through verse 7. A couple things you need to catch. Is, uh, otherwise, if you don't catch this, um, I'm going to waste your time this morning. So listen, listen, listen clearly. First of all, there is great unity. Paul is saying, although you are, have different gifts, different abilities, some of you do this, some of you do this, some of you come from this background, some of you uh, come from this family, some of you, uh, you name it. Uh, although you are different, you are one. And actually what's happening in this verse that you need to realize is that when Paul says, uh, you're in the same spirit, first voice, verse 4, he says, same spirit. Verse 5, he says, same Lord. Verse 6, he says, same God. He is referencing the Trinity here. And what happens in the Trinity is this beautiful mystery of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. I don't care if you're new to church or you've been here forever, that's still a beautiful mystery to us. And I don't have the words to say how all of that plays out in our lives. But God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, unique and yet unified. Do you catch that? Paul's referencing that. He's saying that is the model for the church. Now, you are not the same. You and I are not the same. God's going to manifest. The Spirit is going to reveal himself in different ways. But you are going to come together and serve and act as one for the sake of of the body of Christ. That's a beautiful mystery to us. And I just can't say enough that unity in the spirit, unity uh, in the church is essential. How, do, how are we unified? We're gonna, you're going to hear it in just a second, but we're unified in the way that we love. And so we can do all these things. We can discover our gifts today, which we're going to talk about, by the way. So we're, we can figure out who we are. What are we gifted in? It's going to be fantastic. But if you don't love people, uh, Paul just says, it's like one of those huge just, uh, what do you call them? The, the, the gongs, just a bang. Somebody hits the gong. You're just, you're just noise, right? You're noise. And so I just can't say enough that if you and I do not start in, in, in a unified spirit, Loving one another, and let me just add to that in a humble approach to this. We are just, we're just noise by you, City Fellowship. Verse 7, which I had you underline, just says the manifestation. It's not a word we use often, but it just means the revealing of, right? It's the, the manifestation. You like that show Fixer Upper? We like that show, all right? So the, the manifestation moment is when they like pull the little deals back and there's the house. And you're like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. That's the manifestation, right? So the spirit is revealing himself. There's this moment, as we just read, that God wants to reveal himself, that the spiritual gifts are actually just the, the revealing of the, the spirit. This was helpful to me this week. So... Uh, when you receive a gift, you open the gift and you pull out what's inside, right? I'm not a great gift giver. Uh, I have had to get better because, uh, fellas, you, you need to stay married, all right? So you've got to get better at these things. So I've, I actually take notes. I've tried to be better at this. My wife is an amazing gift giver, and she's an amazing gift. Uh, like, her presentation is awesome. And so I love to open her gifts from her because they look awesome, and you tear into it, and there's something really meaningful inside. But here, here is the illustration that I want you to take from today, just as we start. This is important for us. A spiritual gift is not a, a thing inside that you are going to open and pull out and discover, oh, that's, that's my spiritual gift. That is me. Yes, there are going to be gifts revealed through you, but what 
Sam Storms has said in this definition is that the gift is actually, as you open it, is actually the Spirit of God. So the Spirit of God is manifested, made, made known, and it's going to go through these certain channels, these certain ways in your life that I promise you, many of you just go, man, I never thought God would, would do that in my life through me. I never thought that I had the gift of fill in the blank, and we're gonna, we are going to fill in the blank here in a minute because there are some specific gifts listed in the Scriptures. But this is not a, I'm going to open it and just finally discover who I am. No, you're going to open it and discover who I am is filled with the Spirit of God that wants to be known, make itself known, make himself known. And I get to be a, you, you, you actually are the box. Do you catch that, right? I mean, you are the box and the church gets to open this thing. And the Spirit of God is the gift through you in all these really powerful, really cool ways. Is that helpful to you? Does that make sense to you? So I want us to uh, continue reading. Uh, Allie and Dave are going to read for us. Uh, 1 Corinthians, if you want to follow along, feel free. It's not going to be on the screen, so we're not going to read it together, but you can follow along, 1 Corinthians uh, 12, verse 12, uh, and she will go a little ways, and then we're going to skip about eight verses. I'm not trying to omit that, but I'm going to reference those eight verses in a little bit. So Dave will skip, and he'll tell you where he's going to skip to in case you're following along. All right, so this is 1 Corinthians 12, uh, 12. This is the reading of the Lord. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. All right, jumping to 27. Here we go. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. 
Say thank you to these guys for reading. So uh, I hope you caught that at the beginning of chapter 13. It just says, hey, you can do all this. You can discover your gifts. But if you don't love people, you're just pointless. This is one of the most famous passages on love that's sandwiched in between a passage on gifts and a passage on gifts. And Paul just says, hold, hold on, time out. Before we go any further, let me just remind you, you can discover your gifts. You can be in tune with who you are. You can take the test and go, man, oh, this is who I am. But if you don't love people, it's, it's noise. And that's important to, uh, to note. My, uh, my friend uh, John, I called him last night and just said, I need to tell a story about you. Can I, can I tell this story? And he, with his blessing, said yes. He's a worship leader in Dallas at a church called Watermark Church, unbelievable church, have a lot of friends there, and God's doing amazing things through them, and, and uh, some of John's family is, is here today, so they'll know this story, maybe they'll cringe even a little more than you will, but uh, John is, a, is an amazing guitar player, he's an amazing songwriter, somebody that I love and respect and have known for a lot of years, and uh, John, a few years ago, uh, was repairing his lawnmower, and uh, was uh, working on it, and uh, had uh, thought he had... Uh, given enough time for the mower to be off, and John uh, reached down, not realizing that that blade was still going, and, uh, and, and it took off part of his finger. It was dramatic, right? Uh, John goes into the house. His wife, Sue, uh, just says, look, we got we to gotta go uh, to the, the ER, and, and his kids are, are there, and he's still, um, you know, he's still coherent enough to just, uh, we need to go now. And John lost uh, a, a big, big part of his ring finger that day. M- my guess is, and I actually asked him last night, when you woke up that morning, so before that happened, did you ever in your wildest imagination consider your ring finger to be as important as your arm or your leg or your brain or your ears. I mean, that, that's not something that really crosses our mind. And most of us, if, if it did cross our mind, uh, you know, that's, we, we, we'd probably go without that. And maybe it's, there seems to be some order of importance. But I, but I promise you, once you lose that, and John just said, once part of that goes away, uh, that ring finger is very, very important, right? And uh, it sidelined him. Uh, for a good while. John's a guitar player, so he's had to relearn. It's his left hand, so he's had to relearn how to play guitar. Uh, and here's my point. Some of you this morning, you go, man, spiritual gifts, are we going to spend 40 minutes on this? Because I honestly feel kind of like the end of a ring finger. You know, I don't have some kind of flashy thing that I do. I'm not in front of people. Or I don't have this gift or that gift. And what Paul, what we just heard in the passage that, uh, that Ali read was uh, the, the analogy is pretty simple, that there is one body and we all play a part in that. And actually, Paul goes on to say, uh, when one of those members is hurting, we all hurt, right? You ever stub your toe, right? I mean, it's, it, the world stops, all right, when you get a good stubbing. I mean, the world stops and your entire body, all your energy, all your time, you, you are devoted to. So some of you just go, man, I kind of feel like the pinky toe or the end of a ring finger. But without you, Bayou City Fellowship doesn't function well, right? So here's an example. I'm going to talk about core night later on. If you've never been, you need to come. 
went back the second week and we loved this, this, and this about it. And the kids loved their, their thing. And it, we had all these reasons why we liked the church. But here's what this couple said. When we pulled up the second week in the parking lot, the same uh, guy was out there saying, hey, you know, park over here, do this. And when we got out of our car, he remembered my name from when I introduced myself the week before. And I felt... Uh, like, hey, maybe we mattered, even in a big church. Like, hey, this guy, clearly part of his ministry, part of his gift is not just to point cars, but it's to show love and to, and to show kindness and to say, hey, uh, I noticed you, and I know you were here last week, and I remember your name, right? That may seem like the end of a ring finger. That may seem like the toe that you're going to stub, but without that kind of ministry, we have a big service, and you come in and you go out, and you may not sense that, hey, God, God's with me today, and somebody knows my name. Somebody knows that I'm here, all right? So if for any reason this morning you just go, I'm not positive I matter, Paul just says, nope, you do. You do, and let, let, let's dive in and, and find out how. So one of my favorite movies uh, is uh, Castaway. You've seen the movie Castaway, Tom Hanks? It's awesome. And, uh, and if you don't know the premise, a FedEx plane goes down. Uh, it's just him and the pilot. He's the only, it's, on, on FedEx, there's, you know, there's a lot of people. It's just a couple of the guys. And so the pilot dies. He survives. He lives on the island. All the FedEx packages start to wash up on the shore of this island that he is. Uh, so you remember this, uh, uh, yeah, the little, uh, anybody know the, the name of his friend there? Yeah, it's Wilson, all right? It says it's a Wilson ball. I love this movie. And so just go with me for a minute. And, and, and I hope this is helpful to you because if, uh, if instead of Wilson, Tom Hanks gets just a copy of the scriptures. All right, I know that seems like, don't get all spiritual. Just don't ruin the movie for me. But just go with me for a minute because this, this is what I want us to consider. If he just gets a copy of the scriptures and he just begins to read the scriptures and he doesn't have his man Wilson with him, he just got a copy of the Holy Bible and he goes front to back and, well, I just, I'll go front to back again and he spends years out there and he starts to read about the church like, what is a church supposed to look like? Like, what is a, what is a church? Why, is it, why do we even go to church? Why in the world would we, like, join a church? Like, what is the church? Well, he's reading these passages. It's one body. It's all these different parts. We're not all the same. It's not just, uh, it's not just vanilla. It's these beautiful flavors that come together and somehow form one body. If, if he's reading this over and over and then is rescued and goes, I got to go to a church, and he walks in the doors of Bayou City Fellowship, what does he discover that really is what this message is about. Does he discover a church that is unified? Not just like, hey, we all kind of like the same stuff. Who cares? Not just because we kind of like the same songs or we uh, all like the same Tex-Mex place, although that's important. All right, so we'll just talk about that. <laughs> that we are unified in the spirit of God and that we're not just... Uh, we're not just noise because of the love we have for one another and the love that we have for anyone that we encounter. It's not some kind of superficial. It's not some kind of just, uh, I'm going to skim up here, kind of, hey, how you doing? I'm good. No, it's just a genuine concern for people because that's what we see in the scriptures. If he walks into these doors, what kind of church does he find? And what I want us to consider is what kind of church are we becoming? You are a part of that. And so if God reveals himself through the church, which is what Paul is saying here, do you, did you catch that? Like the manifestation of the spirit is through these gifts for the good of the church, for the encouragement of the church, for the building up, for this, uh, this unifying effort. 
if God reveals himself in that way, this is a big deal. If you don't believe that's true, again, if you're on this extreme end and you're like, the gifts have actually ceased, God will reveal himself when he comes back. Just do your thing. This is not a big deal. But if we believe God reveals himself through you and through me in these gifts, it's a big deal worth consideration, okay? Uh, so let's, let's get into this. What are the gifts? Now, uh, most scholars believe there are 19 gifts that are listed. Some believe 20, but almost, almost universally, uh, most scholars uh, do not believe, and I, I do not believe, that all of the gifts are listed in the scriptures, okay? So Paul, in several places, is giving us examples. First Corinthians has this passage uh, in Romans and Ephesians. If you want to do some research, dig into this uh, on your own. There are past, uh, really three main spots, maybe a few others, but three main spots that start to list the gifts. And so we see uh, 19 uh, or so gifts that are listed, but we don't believe this is exhaustive, all right? Some examples of those gifts, you heard them if you caught it in, in, the, in the passage that was read. But some examples would be evangelism, uh, prophecy, teaching, speaking, discernment, encouragement, helping. I love that one. Like, hey, I'm, I'm going to help somebody. That doesn't seem as uh, glamorous as tongues, which is the next one I was going to say, Right? But man, you, you step in in a season of life and you help somebody uh, for the sake of the gospel, I promise you that's more effective than any tongue you're going to speak out loud to them, okay? So helping, tongues, healing, mercy, administration, wisdom, faith, the interpretation of tongues, that is a gift. That's listed in the scriptures. Leadership, serving, the list goes on. These are examples that Paul cites in the scriptures. I want to be clear, uh, and I'm going to touch on this again in a few minutes, but um, you have natural ability. Some of you, you can just flat out hit a baseball a mile. I don't know how you do it exactly, all right? It was something natural in you, and then you honed that skill. You practiced that skill, all right? So I'm not suggesting that all of your natural ability is, is, a, is a spiritual gift. What I am suggesting, though, is if you can hit a baseball a mile, and then all of a sudden you come to know the Lord, you're filled with the Holy Spirit, God might do amazing things and utilize some of these gifts just listed uh, as a ball player. Some of you are gifted in teaching, and you teach uh, children or students or, or, or wherever it is, and you're gifted in that. But as you come to know the Holy Spirit, uh, that gift is not, not only just enhanced, it's not just made better. There are ways that the Spirit begins to manifest itself. All right? If you are a dentist, if you are a businessman, if you are a businesswoman, if you are a mother, uh, you, you have giftings, and those are things that uh, some of them are natural, some of those are, are skills honed. But God's got something else in mind when he's talking about spiritual gifts that actually can come through that. Does that make sense? Uh, I'd love to spend a few minutes because uh, this is worth talking about because Paul talks about it. All right? It's not worth talking about because I thought it was a good idea. But I want us to talk about two gifts in particular, prophecy and tongues. And some of you are like, man, I knew Bayou City Fellowship was going to get all weird like this. Like, I was liking this church. Now y'all going to get all crazy. Uh, we're just going to read the scriptures together, okay? We're just going to figure out what in the world are you saying to us? How is this to be fleshed out when we get together? 
and that's worth doing. And so uh, let's look at, at prophecy first. I'm not talking about fortune telling. That's not prophecy. Uh, that is really a word. Uh, if it's not from uh, the Father through the Spirit, then it's a word from the enemy. All right? It's a word from the enemy to distract you and to lead you away from Jesus. It just is. So a fortune teller actually may tell you some stuff that's true. And that's a power that I believe to be real from the enemy, all right? So if you go in and they're saying stuff to you like, how did you know that? They, they have, they're tapping into a power. This power I'm talking about is more powerful than that. This prophecy is not just uh, fortune telling. Uh, it's also not just end times uh, prophesying, all right? So anybody who just wants to talk about when Jesus returns, uh, they're not given a word of prophecy because I don't know about you, but it's clear in the scripture, we don't know, all right? Nobody knows when he's coming back. There are signs that we can talk about, we can discuss. But we're not talking about end times prophecy. We're not talking about fortune telling. Uh, so what is Paul uh, talking about here? Wayne Grudem is, a, is a, uh, a biblical scholar, and uh, he defined it as this, and I think this is helpful. It's speaking in human terms what only God has brought to mind. So it's not my, uh, I'm not going to just come up with these ideas. No, God has brought this to my mind. God has brought this uh, to a man or to a woman to speak uh, what only God could bring to mind. Okay, so that's how Grudem defines it, which I think is helpful. What is the goal of prophecy? Well, we see that if you uh, look over to chapter 14, we're going to spend a few minutes here. Um, in verse 3, there are three things that happen in words of prophecy. So I don't know about you, if you ever had somebody speak something to you and you examined that and thought through that and prayed through it and it was true, it's a word of prophecy. I'm going to tell you what the scripture says about how to test that. And Paul gives us kind of a litmus test right here. Uh, words of prophecy do three things. Verse three, they build up, they encourage, and they console. There's consolation involved. If those three things are not present, it's not a word of, of prophecy. Now, don't mistake me. Somebody could have a word for you related to sin, and if they do so in humility, that will build you up and encourage you and console you. Uh, but if they do so in self-righteousness or in anger, that's not a word of prophecy. That's somebody being a jerk, all right? So if I say to you, I have a word from the Lord that you are a terrible father, man, you just go, hey, thanks, but no thanks. That's not a word of prophecy. I saw in the scriptures, that's not a buildup. But if I say to you, hey, uh, let's examine something in your life. I, don't, this, this, I, I think this is from the Lord. Uh, I want you to test it and examine it, but I think I have a word for you from the Lord. That should encourage you and build you up, and that's real, folks. That's real. That should be happening in our church. And it should be happening because, not because I think, but because Paul, Paul says it. And so where does he say that? Uh, he says to desire prophecy a couple times in chapter 14. At the beginning, so if you look down verse 1, uh, he tells us to uh, seek spiritual gifts but desire to prophesy. At the end of the chapter, he says it again. And so Paul's saying, hey, have a desire to do this. Why is he saying that? Because it builds and encourages and encourages unity in the church. You're not prophesying to show us how spiritual you are. It's typically done face-to-face. -face. Here's something that's vital in this. Oh, when somebody has a word of prophecy for you, it does not contradict the scriptures. Okay? So... If you ever sense 
that, hey, this actually goes against what the Bible says, but this guy says it's a word from the Lord, so I get, no, it's not. It's not. And so what does the Bible tell us to do? It says to test any word that we receive because it can be mixed with error. We're human beings, and sometimes we don't see the picture fully and speak it clearly. So 1 Thessalonians 5.20, don't turn there, but if you want to make a note, uh, we're reminded. It says, do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them. Don't let every word spoken to you just be truth. You test them against the scriptures. I long for our church to see more of this because Paul says we should long for it. I've never prayed for that. I've never said, God, let me somehow speak a word of prophecy. That seemed like a weird prayer to pray. But when I read 1 Corinthians, I go, I, I, I want, I, if, you, if you will it, if it's your will, I want to speak. I want you to, men and women, I want you to desire to speak a word of prophecy humbly. And if God reveals that to you, fantastic. It doesn't happen very often, but when it does, it's a powerful tool. And my gut is a lot of us to stand up and go, uh, even, I'll just tell you, a guy in the first service came up afterwards, and, 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 and there was a moment there, and I had to just say, am I testing this against the word? That seems to be a word from the Lord. It doesn't seem to be just his idea, right? So this should be happening among us. We ought to test it. We ought to be cautious. And Paul says uh, to seek it uh, together. I was reading about Charles Spurgeon. It was, very, it was quite uh, 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 regular for him to to have a, a word of prophecy in his sermons, you know, and, and sometimes it would get kind of uncomfortable. There was one where he literally just in the middle, like mid-sentence, just kind of turns to somebody and says, I know that you stole five bucks. And uh, the guy's like, and sure enough, this guy comes up afterwards and is like, I, yeah, I did steal five bucks from my employer, and he came to know Jesus. I just want to be that guy for like one message. Like, I just want, I love that. Like, God, just give me, I just want to do that. It'd be so dramatic. The podcast would blow up. It'd be awesome. Uh, like, I don't know if that's how it's going to go down. Spurgeon, uh, he was an amazing uh, preacher and teacher, but, uh, but, but prophecy is real. Maybe not in that, in that, in that context for us, but to, to build up, to encourage uh, one another to seek uh, to seek unity uh, amongst us. Uh, Paul says, "Hey, that's that's happening." Speaking in tongues is one of the most divisive issues in the church. And what God intended for unity, these gifts are actually to bring unity. These gifts are actually to say, "Hey, we are different pieces of one body, different parts of one body." has brought a lot of division. So I just want to tread real carefully here, but also uh, I'd I, I love to just let, let, this, let this be our, our guide, okay? When I think about tongues, I grew up as a Baptist kid, so the only, I did it, we had a, I grew up in a small town, we had a lot of Pentecostal friends, uh, friends uh, that I, I just have seen in the last year in my hometown where my parents still live, and uh, they, uh, we have different views on this, but it, I, I believe they love Jesus. So we just, we interpret this a little bit differently, but uh, I tended to think, I didn't know for sure. So I just kind of thought that whenever they got together, uh, they were like, you know, 
handling snakes and having like a holy carnival. You know what I'm saying? Just like doing the crazy, crazy train and just, they're just off the rails immediately. And it's just a disaster. It's really not what they were doing. Um, but that's, kind of, that's more where my mind goes. And so I want to just clear that off. Like, okay, we're not going to go crazy train around here. We're not going to go off the rails. So let's just have a, an adult conversation about what Paul's saying. Um, and Sam Storms, the guy that I mentioned earlier, he wrote a, a book, The Beginner's Guide to Spiritual Gifts. This is a man that's highly respected. Um, he, I've been to his church. He is not on either radical ends of the spectrum. Uh, he's, a, you know, for lack of a better word, a moderate on this. But he believes the gifts are accessible to you and I. And he believes, just like Paul instructs, that we ought to use great caution. But it's the beginner's guide to spiritual gifts. And it's a quick read, uh, but it's one that you may do a couple times. And it lays some of this foundation. Here's how he defined tongues on the screen. Spirit, energized, ability to pray, worship, give thanks, or speak in a language other than your own or one you might have learned. And so the, the, the thing that you need to catch in this is that it's an act of worship. So prophecy is a man or a woman coming with a word from God to you, to me. You catch that? Tongues is actually from my lips to God. And the only times that it has other, uh, uh, other benefits to the church is if the, the gift of interpretation of tongues is used, then it can be beneficial to the body. And Paul, again, if you, if you dig into this passage, Paul says it can be beneficial to the church if someone interprets, but if no one's interpreting, it'll tear you apart because we just are saying a bunch of stuff. Nobody knows what in the world we're saying. It doesn't lift up, encourage, bring unity. It brings division. And so um, just want to say to you, if somebody was to stand up in the corner and begin to speak in tongues in here, one, we ought to say, Hey, that's pretty, that's pretty nuts. I hadn't seen that at Bay City. Um, but if no one was in the room to interpret that, we would ask them to kindly sit down. If somebody on this side stood up and said, hey, actually, I, I, I can interpret that, well, this would be a defining moment for our church because as Paul says uh, several times, if there's someone there to interpret it, it shall be permitted, all right? And so I just want you to know this is what we're seeing. Well, where does he say that? Where do you see that? Several times in the middle of chapter 14, 16, 17, 18, 19, Paul is referencing this. Here's what you need to know. This is a letter written to a group of people who were speaking in tongues like crazy. No one was interpreting. They, it really was a carnival And it it was bringing unity because at some point you're like, this is nuts. Like, what are we doing here? That's one of the big reasons 1 Corinthians exists. There are a few other things that were happening that he was addressing, but this is a big reason. And what he says, the caution that he gives them in chapter 14, verse 19, I believe. He says, nevertheless, in church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. So that the idea that our services are just to be filled with this gift, that it's to be exalted and lifted up, and it's, it's mandatory for us, it's just not biblical. And Paul's saying, I'd rather speak five words here than 10,000 words in some tongue that nobody understands because that does not benefit, build up, encourage unity in the church. 
Okay? The same chapter, though, and here's what I want you to catch. The very same chapter ends with, hey, seek prophecy. We've already, we've already talked about why. Yes, God bless you. Uh, <laughs> seek prophecy and don't forbid the speaking of tongues. And then Paul moves on in chapter 15. So again, if we're going to set up some bumpers here, uh, we do not believe that speaking in tongues is uh, given to everyone. I do have friends and brothers and sisters who believe that. Bayou City does not believe that. And uh, we, can, we can chat about that. We can dialogue about that. It's a great discussion. We do believe it is for some and still active. We do. I've never done it. Oh, I, I, honestly, I had never prayed for it until this week. And what we're seeing in the scriptures is Paul references, by the way, he says in chapter 14, hey, I speak in tongues way more than y'all, all right? So even, this was a, a part of his daily worship. He had that gift. And I, uh, as far as I know, I, I, I haven't yet. But it says, seek it. And it says, here's some things, uh, here's some rules. Be careful with this. It'll tear you up. But at the end of chapter 14, don't forbid it, okay? If you want to dialogue about that, we'd love to. I, I, again, I'm not the authority on that, but I think the scriptures are, and I think we could, we could dive in together. We just don't want to spend a ton of time here. Uh, there are a lot of questions related to the spiritual gifts that I think uh, bring some insight. Uh, one of them is, do you always have the same gift at the same capacity, and I've never really wrestled with that, but I think what we see in the scriptures is uh, no. You may have a consistent gift, and it may be exercised. Uh, the Spirit may exercise it differently. And, and otherwise, and, and the argument for that is otherwise, if you, if you sense you have a gift of healing, uh, you need to head down to the hospital right now, clear that place out, right? You, you need to exercise it because if it's just at maximum strength all the time, well, then go for it, right? That's not what we see in the scriptures, that these gifts, um, they're to be used according to the Spirit. And so for us to try to figure out when and how and in what seasons of life, it, that, that's going to be left to the Spirit of God. But we don't believe that your gift is going to be revealed and going to be consistent and steady all through your life. Sometimes that might prove true, but a lot of times it might not. Uh, one of the questions, and I reached out to some friends to say, hey, what are some questions you have about spiritual gifts? I think this is helpful. Uh, are some gifts more important than others? And Paul just, we just spent um, in this passage a little bit of time on one body, right? So little toe, arm, uh, but if one of those is removed, it affects the whole body. So no, we don't believe one is more important. The only reason that he camps out on prophecy, catch this, right, is that he, he says it unifies the church and builds up the church in ways that, that uh, in a public setting that some of these other gifts cannot. So uh, he wants you to seek that, but he's not saying it's more important. Um, why isn't there more prophecy in the, in the church is a question that I had. Like if that's if Paul's telling us to seek it, and I, I think uh, you know, chapter 14, verse 1 just says, because we, we need to ask for it. We need to ask for it. We need to be brothers and sisters so in tune with the Spirit that we encourage and lift one another up with a word that's from the Lord. And so why is there not more prophecy? I think most of us, including me, just don't ask for it. What are the difference between talents and gifts? We chatted about this earlier. Uh, talents seem to be inherited, and then, you, and then you nurture that talent. A spiritual gift is something you receive through the Spirit. Um, Again, you're not just taking it out. Look what I got, right? The Spirit is revealing uh, himself through you in these amazing ways. And then the big one is this, and we'll spend five minutes and we're done. 
How do I identify my gifts? I mean, is that really what I hope? I hope that you're listening to this. I hope that you're not already thinking about lunch. Like that should be worth uh, giving thought to. Like, how do I know? Like, how do I know my gifts? Right? Um, Many of you have taken a spiritual gift test. I have. And these are helpful. But I want to just caution you on this. When I take a spiritual gift test, I start to answer the questions in a way that leads me to the gifts that I actually want, all right? And any question related to administration, I just go, no thanks, I do not want to be labeled with that gift because I do not, I'm not good at it, and so I'm just going to say, thank you, Spirit of God, but I know myself better than you do, all right? So a spiritual gift test, I'm not discouraging you. If you find one online that's helped you, again, we've, we've taken it as a staff. There, there's helpful things in there. I just want to say very clearly that cannot be your main source of discovery. You're not discovering yourself in these tests, right? You are discovering what does the scripture say about the gifts? How might he reveal himself through me in the body? And so that can't be the only place you go. So, so if that's true, what do we do? Uh, this is done in the context of community. So Paul's not writing a letter to one person. He's writing a letter to a group of people. And he is saying uh, to them, I want to reveal myself through you in all these different ways. And somehow, miraculously, I'm going to make you one. Right? So I have to think that if we're going to discover how God might reveal himself, how the Spirit of God might reveal himself, we got to do it in the context of community. So listen, just I want to say this with humility and I want to say it with, with kindness. If your involvement at Bayou City Fellowship is a service attendance, at some point that will, we're going to disappoint you, okay? And I won't say it right, but I read this great quote from this French theologian dude who's way smarter than me. But he says, you know, we come with great expectation and then we're just left to kind of organize our disappointment, Right? So you show up with, man, I got all this expectation. And then a year in, you're just trying to, man, I just kind of feel disappointed that I didn't get to do this or disappointed that, man, the music, I liked it in the beginning, but now it's it. Or the coffee was good first week, but this, I don't know about Texas Pecan this week, you know. It, it, you, you just start to, you just start to, how do I organize all these disappointments? Because um, I've kind of just flown here and never really jumped in. And I just want to say, um, it's not that I would want you to ever leave our church. This place is open to you. This place is open to anyone, any background. I don't, we just, just absolutely hope that's as clear as day. But I wouldn't want you to stick around and experience the body in that way. It's just not what we see in the scriptures. And what we see in the scriptures is, God, reveal yourself through me and let me jump in and serve and do things I could have never done with just my natural gifts and abilities. And so if that's not happening here for whatever reason, maybe it's my fault, maybe it's your fault, but if it's not happening here, find somewhere where that's going to happen because otherwise the body of Christ will just be your organization of disappointment. Okay, so we do so in the context of community. And uh, so there's three things I want you to consider very quickly. There's affinity. Uh, Throw that up, Bobby. So uh, we do it in community and we do so, uh, there's a certain amount of affinity. What are the things that I'm drawn to that's okay. I do not believe, let me just say it, like I don't believe God's trying to trick you, all right? Uh, there's just certain of you that you're gifted in ways 
And it's clear you're not gifted in others. It's just like, okay, God, I see it right now. And I I just am chief among us, like half of this list. I'm like, I'm terrible at this. I just don't think God's trying to trick you. And so one of the things that I'm, I'm, I'm naturally drawn to, that's not the only indicator. You cannot just camp out on that, but it definitely has got to play into the equation, right? So what am I drawn to? What are things? And then ability. What are the things I'm actually good at? And not just because you said you're good at it, right? I think I'm good at a lot of stuff till my wife chimes in, all right? So, so not, just, not just what you think you're good at, but what people around you have encouraged you. So by the way, when you're uh, up here on Saturday, we have a work day coming up on Saturday. I'd love for you to be here. When you're up here pressure washing something, that's not a spiritual gift, right? But in the context of community, you may be pressure washing. You may have a chance to show mercy, minister to somebody, pray over somebody's sickness. And you'd be like, man, I don't think I have the gift of healing, but how do I know? Like, what if God wants to show up right now and heal somebody? Whoa, like I don't always think like that. And if you're like me, you're like, I definitely don't have that gift, so I'm going to just say you need to find somebody to pray for. But maybe in the context community, God shows up in ways you never dreamt possible. That's what the Spirit of God can do, all right? So in the context of community, and if someone is encouraging you, hey, that meant a lot to me. Like, you, you are an encourager. Or, hey, uh, you, the way you taught our community group last week or the way that you hosted community group with such uh, 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 generous spirit and hospitality, uh, I think that that gift seems to be pretty strong in you. And I'd love to see you serve in that way. That's how we discover it, people. Not on your own, not flying solo, not just taking a spiritual gifts test. You may find a little bit of help there, but in the context of community, you will start to discover the ways the spirit wants to be revealed in you. Lastly, I would say opportunity. What are the needs of the church? And I'm not just saying like, what are the announcements? Like sometimes I get up here, I'm like, I don't want to just give you a bunch of like to-dos. Like that's terrible. But just, hey, there are some opportunities. And so when we were announcing like a mentorship at Truett, that's not my program. We didn't promise them a bunch of Mentors, We didn't say we're going to get 50, and so I felt obligated to say it. I just said, look, there's some kids, junior high kids, who said, I need a mentor. Like, I, if, if a mentor stepped up, I'd, say, I'd love that. What are the opportunities? And so if you take a spiritual gifts test and just go, well, I'm not really gifted in these things, so I'm going to sit that one out. You have just missed, missed the chance to be a part of the body. You've missed the chance to see God do stuff in you that you could have never dreamt imaginable. And so opportunity above affinity and ability has got to be where we start. Would you just make note of that? And so just look around. Just look around. Where can I just jump in? Where can I serve? Where can I love? Where can I point people where to park? Where can I serve them a cup of coffee? Where can, I don't know what, what it's going to be for you. But in that context, that act may not be your spiritual gift, but you may start discovering some things uh, there. Uh, do you know an unbeliever? Well, then just try out the gift of evangelism, Okay. So if you don't know if you have it, just try it. So if you know an unbeliever this week and you just go, man, I'm not really, uh, uh, evangelism's not my deal, well, just just try it. The Spirit's more powerful than you. Do you uh, know someone who's come to you to ask for sickness? Pray for healing. I don't know if you have the gift, but see if God wants to use you in that way. Uh, Are there widows among us that need housework done? By the way, there are. There are. Just say yes. I want to serve. I don't know if I have the gift of service. No, that's not how that works, all right? Jump in and serve and see God do things in you that are miraculous. Uh, do you have gifts of administration? A lot of you do. And I don't mean just trying to get our, um, you know, 
I don't know, all the emails and all the just kind of getting things nice and tidy here. I just mean help organizing teams. We sent a team to Louisiana to serve. That didn't just come together in a few days. We had gifts, people with gifts of administration that said, hey, let me help organize this thing. I'm going to get on the phone. I'm going to get us rocking. And we sent a huge crew down there. That's how that stuff gets done in the body of Christ. You got the gift of administration? Step up and use it, right? There are two dangers very quickly that I want you to avoid. Just listen to him. Almost done. Uh, the uh, danger of what we're going to call gift cop-out. So again, you take a look at this list and you go, man, I, I don't have 18 of those 19. By the way, you can have varying degrees of many gifts. That question comes up a lot. You don't just get, you don't, you, we don't just get one, all right? God's, God starts to use several of these things and it's, it's, it's a mystery. Be open to it. You don't just get one of these things. But gift cop-out just says, like, I don't, have, I don't have half of that stuff. I don't have any of that stuff. So I'm going to let the people who are gifted go. Don't do that. That's not the kind of church you and I uh, want to be uh, a part of. Second is gift projection. Um, the idea that uh, I just wish I had that gift. I mean, I spent some time doing that. Man, I, I love, they, they just serve amazingly. Um, I wish I had that gift. And, and I spend my time just projecting my gift. Or, I mean, I think I've got a gift that's um, more valuable than others. Some of us don't mean to do that, but that we can go there. So gift cop-out, gift projection. Avoid these things when we're talking about these gifts. And so my challenge is, is this. Uh, we are part of the priesthood of believers. You are filled with the Holy Spirit, which means you have the same opportunity for the empowerment of the Spirit to reveal itself through the gifts that we just discussed. You do. And to, to believe anything otherwise is selling short the power of the Spirit of God. And quite frankly, we're just at a place in our church right now, especially this campus where we could just kind of go, we could phone it in and we could just go, I think we can get people here. I think we can fill the place up at a service. We can get people here. Or we can go, man, I, I don't know how this plays out. I want to be serious about the Spirit of God. I want to be serious and just saying, God, use us in ways to encourage, bring unity, love, serve, share the gospel. And none of it made sense to me before, but it's starting to, to make sense. And so if the church grows, that's only because the spirit of God is, is, is at work in us. We're kind of at that spot right now, y'all. And so I would just challenge you to just recognize you have the same empowerment that I do. Pastor Curtis has the same empowerment as a 10-year-old who's professed Jesus. You do. That maturity is different, and the, the, the gifts may come out a little differently, but it's the same spirit, same empowerment. I want to write this prayer down for you, and then I'm done. And every, every time I, I um, have the chance to, to preach, I just write the prayer that I have for you and for me. And from this passage, this is my prayer for you, and then we're going to take a few minutes to pray. Father, we long to be a church that is unified in the spirit. We celebrate that we are unique and have distinct members brought together in one body and in one spirit. We confess our division. We confess our pride. And so may the spirit of God be manifested, be made known in the exercising of our gifts for the good of the church and the spreading of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's pray together. If you're part of our prayer team, if you guys would come and just, ha just stay seated just for a second, uh, the rest of you.
And then if you would, just with your heads, heads bowed, just want to say very simply, if, uh, if you're here this morning and um, none of that really resonated or made a, bunch, a lot of sense because you're not really sure where you stand with, with Jesus, like, hey, I'm not positive. I believe there's only one way, and I'm just not positive that I really understand what the Bible's saying. I want you to know, please hear me, if that is you this morning, I hope you come back because we're not a people who proudly say we haven't figured out. We're people who have been in the place of doubt and are trying to trust and have a faith that is centered in in Jesus. And so if you're here this morning, you're like, I don't really know him. I just want to say to you, uh, would you consider it? And so right now, would you even just pray? God, if if you're hearing my prayer, um, I know I'm a sinner. That seems obvious to me, and I'm not sure if there's one way, but if you are the only way, if, if Jesus on the cross and then resurrected, if that's the way, I want to just profess that. I want to follow you, and I want to do so in this community. And so if that's you this morning, if you've prayed that prayer, I just want to invite you to come down and tell somebody about it. Just say, look, I prayed that prayer. I'm not really sure what to do with it. And I want one of these folks just to say, hey, I want to encourage you. Here's some uh, things that I, I think might be helpful to you. I want you to get involved in community. And so uh, let me pray. And then all of us are, are invited to come pray. By the way, if you're here this morning, you have a, a small prayer. Or if you're here this morning, you have something massive going on. Something massive is, is going on. Relationships, families, illness, you name it. Come ask somebody to lay their hand on your shoulder and just ask God to move powerfully. That's all we know to do. We don't have some secret formula. Just all we know to do. So God, we seek you together and, and, and we are a house of prayer because you commanded it. And uh, God, we don't always understand your ways, but we believe you're with us. We believe that through the spirit, you comfort us. Uh, we've seen you do miracles, so we're gonna ask you for it. Uh, God, we wanna uh, seek you to know how you might use us in this body, how you might flow through us to show the power of your spirit. All of this uh, is on our hearts and minds this morning. And so, God, we have uh, a time of prayer set aside. May we just seek you together. May we just cry out to you together. And may we do so all these things in, in Jesus' name, not in Bayou City Fellowship's name, not in our name, not because we, uh, this or that, but in the name of Jesus. That's why we pray and sing. And we do so now.